This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 994. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 4. This morning I want to talk about Jesus, one of us, sin and all. Jesus, I should say, one with us, sin and all. Indeed, have you ever wondered why Jesus was baptized by John with John's baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin? Indeed, that's the kind of baptism that John was doing in the Jordan River. And that was the kind of baptism that Jesus received from John, a, a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But what sins did Jesus have to confess? <clears throat> As the Father says later on at the end of our text, Jesus is the Son with whom the Father's thoroughly pleased. And then later in John's uh, Gospel, <clears throat> Jesus uh, says in John 8 and verse 29, He says, I do always those things that please the Father. And so what sins did Jesus have to confess and of what was it that Jesus needed to repent? And why was he baptized? Well, put simply, Jesus was baptized like all the rest of those who were coming to John in order to be one with us. Indeed, he didn't have to be baptized and he certainly didn't need to be baptized, but he chose to be. And he did so happily to be one with us because he loves us. And so in our text, beginning at verse 4, Mark says, and John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, that is the wilderness of Judea, just to the west 
of the Dead Sea. It, it's, it is a, the word wilderness is, um, is a, the correct word. I've been there. Linda's been there. Some of the rest of you maybe been there. And we went swimming. Well, it wasn't swimming. It was floating in the Dead Sea because everything floats in the Dead Sea. <laughs> you just lay there. It's very nice. Have a salt bath. And there John was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins at the mouth <clears throat> at the Jordan River, just as it empties into the Dead Sea. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, or as Peterson in the message puts it, a baptism of life change. Which is a fair translation because that's exactly what repentance or metanoia in the Greek literally means. It means to change one's mind. Literally, it means to think again. In fact, sometimes we use this expression uh, when we're telling somebody they should change their mind. He said, you better think again. <clears throat> that, that's, what, that's what metanoia means. To change one's mind about how one has been living and then to turn <clears throat> and head in a new direction. That's repentance. Or as someone has written, repentance is about life change. And repentance, the writer says, is a great deal different from mere regret for the consequences of sin and the way in which sin has negatively affected my life. In fact, regret alone seldom leads to life change. It is repentance, a deliberate turning from sin and choosing a new path that produces life change. And Paul, or excuse me, I should say, Mark says in verse 5 that all the country of Judea, representing all the rural communities, and all Jerusalem, representing the primary urban community, were going out to John and were being baptized him by him in the River Jordan and they were confessing their sins. The Greek word for confess, homologeo, literally means to say the same thing. That's what confession is. To say the same thing. That is to say, to, to confess to God and agree with God about what God says about your sin. It's to say the same thing about my sin that God says about it. Confession is not telling God about other people's sins. <clears throat> Confession is not about making a rationale or rationalizing before God and giving excuses. It's just straight out saying, I agree with your judgment, this is bad, and this has got to stop. That's what confession is. And of course, repentance and confession are closely related in as much as you cannot have one without the other. That's why they're both here. <laughs> they were repenting and confessing to John their sins. In fact, I, one <clears throat> theory is, is that he wouldn't baptize them until they did. <laughs> and so they went and they were confessing their sins publicly. And that sounds, I know, to a scary thing uh, to people, especially people who aren't in the habit of confessing and being honest with themselves and with others about their life. Uh, but when we don't do that, then we just stay bound 
uh, to those things. In fact, I think it's the, in the recovery community, they say you're only as sick as the secrets you keep. And so, by the way, in some of the secrets you have, psst, they're not really secrets. There's other people who know. And some of the people who know are people you don't know they know, but they know. And certainly God does, with whom we have to do. But Mark says that all the country of Judea and Jerusalem are going out to John, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And then, then Mark describes John. He's an interesting character. Verse 6, and now John was clothed with camel hair. That is probably a garment that was woven, made from camel hair. You've heard of that, you know, the, the, the ascetics wearing a hair shirt. Uh, not exactly comfortable, in fact, um, uh, maybe when you were a little kid, or at least maybe my generation. I don't know why they made little children's, little, little boys' suits out of wool. <laughs> what were they thinking? And uh, so, you know, every Christmas or every Easter, you had to put on that god-awful suit and be uncomfortable the whole time. And uh, that was the point of this. this that he wasn't wearing it for pleasure. Uh, he was wearing it because that's what prophets wore. In fact, he's described here as uh, wearing this camel hair garment and a leather belt around the waist to hold it in place. And that was familiar attire for a prophet, or at least a true one, like Elijah, uh, as opposed to a false one who served the rich and told them whatever he thought they wanted them, wanted they wanted to hear. In fact, to Jesus in Matthew, an interesting passage where he talks about John and addresses the community that were familiar with John. In Matthew 11, and Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And, they, and he said to them, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Anyway, what did you expect? A reed shaken by the wind? That is a, a person of weakness. Uh, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. They're, they're the prophets in the king's court. And they tell the king everything the king wants to hear, whether it's true or not. That's so they can stay in the court in their soft clothing and whatever other benefits are found in the court. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Jesus says, yes, and I tell you, and more than a prophet. He is the one of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way before you. Truly, I say to you, Jesus says, among those born of woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And so Mark says that uh, John was clothed with camel hair and wore leather belt around his waist, and he, he ate bugs. He ate locusts, which was actually uh, clean, according to dietary, the dietary laws of, of Moses, and wild honey. In fact, there weren't any beekeepers out there, but John was the beekeeper. He's putting his hand in to get some of the honey. And so locusts and honey were his food because those were things that were available to him in his desert home. And Mark continues, and John preached, saying, 
Jesus talked about John. Now John is going to talk about Jesus. After me comes one who's mightier than I. And he's referring to this, who we know is Jesus. The one he calls Lord when he preached and prepared the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Repent and confess for he's coming and you won't want to be unready. And so John came and he said, And after me comes one mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So great is he, I'm not even worthy to be his slave. Indeed, I have baptized you with water, John said. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And he has it to give and to baptize you in it. And Mark continues in verse 9, and in those days when all of this was happening, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee where he had spent the first 30 years of his life. In fact, Luke says that about this, uh, of that, about this all happening, and as Jesus was beginning his ministry, he was about 30 years old. Luke 3 and verse 23. And in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Why? Because, well, not because he had to. (laughs) And certainly not because he needed to, but because he wanted to. And he did so to be one with us. Because he loves us. Indeed, there's a fascinating, this, this idea of, of Jesus taking on, I mean, I mean, everything that we know about Jesus screams this truth. His taking on human flesh, why? To be one with us. And this sense of, and not just one with humanity, but one with, with corrupted, broken, sinful, needing to be saved humanity. As Paul wrote in his first letter to Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying of all to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And how does he save them? By becoming one of them. And that's hinted at even at his baptism. In fact, we read in Paul's letter, Paul's second letter to the believers at Corinth, chapter 5 and verse 21, and for our sakes, for your sake and my sake, the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. And Mark continues, and when Jesus came up out of the water, even as if he was just your standard garden variety sinner, which by the way, he was not. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. 
Thomas Merton some years ago, many years ago, wrote this. He said, we are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we are not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. We are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we are not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. And this is the very problem that Jesus came into our world to solve. And one of the very first glimpses that we get of him being the solution to that problem is seen in the days of John the Baptist on the River Jordan when Jesus was baptized, not because he had to, not because he needed to, but because he wanted to, which he did so gladly that he might be one with us because he loves us. Paul writing to the Romans, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, by faith we have peace with God. <laughs> through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is our peace if we believe in him. When we put our whole trust in him and without shame, we take him as Lord even as he without shame was baptized and became our Savior. Indeed, um, I wonder, is he your savior today? And if he's your savior, then he'll also be your Lord because in himself he's both savior and Lord. And if any of us would have a relationship with the real Jesus Christ, then we will have a relationship with him and all that he is and not just a part of what he is. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we may have read this story many, many times and didn't see this. But it's there. It's there. And, and in fact, it is a, this, this gospel is this gospel is a gem that has so many facets that if we were to spend every moment of every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, the whole of our life, we would never see all the facets and all of their sparkling beauty. But we pray, Lord, that it wouldn't just be a bobble to us, some fascinating thing, either emotionally or intellectually, but that we would respond to its message and to the thing that if you are not shouting to us, at least you are whispering in a still, small voice. Lord, deliver us from hearing that still, small voice and not answering it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.